requires to work in our lives. And we're starting a new study today. I just think it'll be two, maybe three weeks probably on holiness and sanctification. And it's a very important uh, topic because it seems like so many things that you would think were basic and many things in our Christianity that we think were, uh, were elementary and yet they can be twisted and they can be perverted, they can be misunderstood and it has a serious effect when we do that. Uh, I can tell you right now, there's nothing, you can't change anything in God's Word and then expect it to have no consequences at all. It's going to have an effect upon our lives. I want you, if you would, to, to turn with me in your Bibles. <clears throat> We're going to look at two, two passages right off the bat. <clears throat> Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and then you can get your spot marked in Colossians chapter 3. We'll go to 1 Corinthians 1 first, and then Colossians chapter 3. Corinthians 1-2 says, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Okay? That's going to be a key scripture, although it, it's just an introduction to the book of 1 Corinthians, and a lot of times we'll read over those introductions real quickly and, and like get to the good stuff. And, but in this, in this introduction is the good stuff for us today. It's what we're going to look at. Now I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Paul says, If ye then be risen with Christ, and that's a big if because everybody's not, amen? But if you are, if you're born again, then you are. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Okay, you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So I want us to talk a little bit today and next week and possibly the following week on sanctification. All right, in the Foundations book, we've studied it in Foundations 1. And the, the big difference, that, uh, the big thing I, I want to focus upon is, first of all, laying out sanctification. What is it? But also very clearly seeing the difference between what we would call a positional sanctification or a positional holiness. That would be our standing in Christ. And the difference between that and a practical sanctification. Both are biblical, both are of the Lord, both are part of the life of a Christian, but they're not the same thing, and it's very important that we see that they're not the same thing. There is a positional sanctification or holiness that a man or woman has simply as a result of the new birth. That's my standing in Christ. This is what we're going to talk about today specifically. Then there is a practical sanctification where you basically has to do with our walk as a believer, our day-to-day -day walk, our Christ-likeness, our uh, being conformed to the image of Jesus, our behavior, our conduct, our lifestyle. And we'll talk about that next week and possibly the week after. But uh, when, when Paul said to the church at Corinth, I'm, I have it in front of me, so I'll read it again, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Now, do you know anything about the church of Corinth at the time that Paul was writing 1 Corinthians. Anything we know about them is that they were saved. Paul's the one that originally brought them the gospel and they heard and they believed and they received. They were every bit of church, a true church of Jesus Christ. But there was a lot of sin in the church. They were characterized by their carnality and their immaturity and the sin that was going on in the church and the sin they were allowing in the church and not judging it and dealing with it. So Paul doesn't say you need to be saved again. He tells them in that instance, and you read 1 Corinthians, he's dealing with them about the sin. Tell them how believers should judge sin, how believers are to uh, deal with people in the, in, the, in the church and so forth that are in sin. So he, call, he says this, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. He calls them a church. 
This has to do with their standing, okay? To them that are sanctified. That's why I chose this scripture. The church at Corinth, even though there was incest going on in the church and people were allowing it. In other words, they weren't even dealing with it and judging it. There was uh, drunkenness going on at the Lord's Supper. There was uh, uh, divisions among them. There were strifes and divisions. I'm of Paul. Well, I'm of Apollos. Well, I'm of... And all kinds of things that were going on that were sin. They're just flat out sin. Should not have been taking place in the house of God. But guess what? He doesn't say that they weren't Christians. In this instance, he knew that they were saved. And as saved people, he says to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. That is the key to it. You are sanctified in Christ Jesus. We're talking today, I'm going to say it a thousand times, so please, uh, you know, don't get mad at me for saying it over and over. This is the whole point of this study. We're going, to contra- we're going to contrast or point out the difference between a positional standing in Christ as being holy, as being sanctified, and the difference between that and a lifestyle where we're called to be holy. We're holy, yet we're called to be holy, right? We're sanctified, and yet we're being sanctified. And they're two different things. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same work. It's, it's the same work of God that, that's taken place. But uh, I mean, same Holy Spirit that's doing the work, but they're not the same thing. There's a distinct biblical difference between a believer's standing or position in Christ as being holy and sanctified and a believer's practical day-by-day walk of holiness. Um, and being confused on this can be very serious. And it doesn't sound like that big a deal, but if we start talking about it, you might some, some wheels might start turning, and you say, well, I've seen that happen. I've seen this error happen. I've seen this error in judgment happen or in teaching. If I'm off on this, y'all, it's going to affect a lot of things. It's going to affect my own, the way I judge myself, as a believer, you know we're to judge ourselves. And the Bible says if we judge ourselves, we wouldn't have to be judged all the time. But uh, being, being confused on this would affect how I live my life. It would affect our church life. It would affect the way you teach others or dis- disciple others or counsel others through the Word of God. And we'll give some examples of that as we go. So it's, it's important that we're not confused on this. The word sanctification, okay, which we're talking about, <clears throat> this is all, a lot of this is in Foundations chapter, uh, Volume 1. But sanctification means a purification, holiness, or a separation. This is just a definition of the word sanctification. Purification, holiness, so those two are synonymous when we say sanctification or holiness, and a separation. All right, now there's two aspects even if you, in that definition we gave, there's two aspects. I, don't, I pray I don't bore you. I pray you really stay with me because I believe this is important to us. Um, two aspects even in that definition of holiness. One would be uh, morally pure. Okay, you just picture God. God is holy, right? God is holy. You couldn't say that about anything else or anyone else apart from the Lord. Now he can make us holy. Because He dwells us and has cleansed us and forgiven us. But when we talk about holiness in that aspect, simply being morally pure. God is holy. The other aspect of sanctification or holiness has to do with a separation. Alright? Picture it in your mind. Separated. The, the children of Israel, for example, God called them to be separate from all the Gentile nations that were around them. So it was a separation where God drew a distinct line. They're, worship, they're not idolaters. They're worshipers of Jehovah. Here's their worship. I'm the God that they serve and that they worship. Here's how they live. How, here's how they behave. They don't behave like the pagans. And he called them not to intermarry with them and so forth. There was to be a distinct difference or separation. And so holiness in, is in that aspect as well. Morally pure and also being separated unto God. Now I believe that the, the main reason... I remember when the Lord gave me that Foundations Volume 1, that that little simple book that we've studied in Sunday school, was because of this topic right here. was because of 
the confusion between a, a standing in Christ as being sanctified and holy, a positional standing of holiness, and a, and a lifestyle of holiness, called to be holy. I remember a young believer, who's not that young, but a lot younger than me, came up to me a couple of years ago and said, Pastor Randy, I think there's a lot of confusion on this subject. And it was after Sunday school class that I had, had Dee and I had taught, I think the couples class we taught on, on holiness and, and sanctification unto the Lord. He said, I think there's a lot of confusion on this. And I said, I agree with you. So the Lord gave me this Sunday school lesson, or Dee and me this Sunday school lesson. And I began to pray and, and the Lord began to give me this book. The whole foundation's book was to be just basically, I thought a couple of pages, you know, just describing the difference like what we're doing now between our standing in Christ as being holy and a call to be holy in our behavior. And it, it ended up being a lot more than that. The, the book, you know, took on uh, more. But the fact of the matter is we need to get a proper understanding of this from the Word of God and from the Spirit of God. Just like we talked about in Sunday school. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. One, the positional standing in Christ to the church of God at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Sanctified, past tense, you are that. One has to do uh, with who and what we are in Christ. That's why I read that scripture. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. That's why I read Colossians chapter 3. For you are dead and your, your life is hid with Christ in God. You're in Christ. All right, and so there. What the other has to do with my behavior and my walk as a child of God, and my being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that was what we would call a practical sanctification or a practical holiness, a day-to-day -day walk. Like I said, both are a work of God, both are a work of the Holy Spirit, but they're not the same things. This sanctification here clearly speaks. So that the, the one in First Corinthians one two them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, clearly speaks of a person's position or standing. It's like a person, I'm just using it for an example, that was single, and then now since their wedding was yesterday or last night, now they're married. Their standing in life is different. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying it's different. They were single, even though they were engaged and dating and everything like that, but now... They're married. There's a legal marriage that's taken place in the eyes of God, in the eyes of civil government. It's taken place. And so their standing is different. And that is like our positional standing in Christ. And that has actually very little or nothing to do with my lifestyle. Because the church of Corinth was living in all kinds of sin at the time Paul wrote that phrase to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. They weren't living a holy lifestyle. They weren't walking. Uh, there was blatant sin, let's put it that way, in their life. An open sin. And sin that was going unjudged. And yet, He still calls them to the church of God at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. He calls them that. He wasn't mistaken when He said that. At any given moment, y'all, you could look at my life, and I'll use myself as the example. At any given moment, if you hung around with me a long time, I pray you wouldn't, but I pray I, I think you would. If you hung around with me at a long time for a long time, you would see something in my life—an attitude, a word, a, you know, pride, a pity, whatever. You'd see something: impatience, selfishness. It's all there, okay? You would see some of that in my life. And it just at that moment, for that five minutes, five seconds, that little time you spent with Randy, and you saw that in my life, if that's all you saw me say, that guy don't know Jesus. You would see things in my life where if that's all you saw, you would think he doesn't know the Lord. That's so ungodly. That was so unchrist like Alright? Now, I don't live there, and I don't wallow in it, and that's not the pattern of my life. And I pray it's not the pattern of yours. I know it's not because I know y'all. But, but the same could be said that if we hung out long enough, we would catch somebody in a bad moment. That's safe to say, right? Well, <clears throat> at any given moment, my life may look unholy. 
That would be my practical walk with the Lord. That would be my conduct, my behavior. Be holy in all manner of conversation and I wasn't. But that does not affect my standing in Christ. Y'all understand that. My standing in Christ is something that's secure. My standing in Christ is Him calling me sanctified and sanctified in Christ Jesus. The key is that I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm sanctified in Christ Jesus. If I'm just part of a church but not in Christ, I'm not sanctified in Christ Jesus. If I just like Christian things and hang out with Christian people and listen to Christian music and like Christian doctrine, but I'm not born again, then I'm not going to be sanctified in Christ Jesus. I do not have that position of standing in the Lord if I'm not born again. This positional holiness has to do with a believer's standing in Christ. Not It has, does not have to do with am I living very Christian at this moment or not. Does that make sense? Okay, I know it, I know it does, and I know that I'm belaboring the point. But it, it's, it's very important. And so um, we'll talk about that. And, and, and honestly, y'all, the call of God is if, he, if I am sanctified in Christ then the call is to be holy like Christ, all right? There's no doubt about that. But that doesn't affect my standing. And I thank the Lord that it doesn't. I might have had a really lousy day today as a Christian. And yet I don't have to fear that I don't have this right standing in the Lord anymore. What I do have to do is confess my sin. If I confess it, he'll, he'll, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all of righteousness. What I do have to admit, well, guard against is that that ungodliness not become a pattern in my life where we just build sin upon sin upon sin because then that can begin to affect my heart and that can affect my relationship with my Lord and Savior and, and my testimony for Christ and so many other things. But I don't need to leave and live in fear that when I, and I had a bad day as a Christian that I don't have this standing in the Lord anymore as being in Christ. And as so being in Christ that I'm sanctified in the Lord. Y'all understand that? Okay. <clears throat> uh, again, every person that's uh, genuinely born of God, this, this standing that we have is simply a result of the new birth. Somebody that at the very moment a person gives their life to, to Christ. And I always use this example to me because it, I can picture it. But let's just say that we're, we're dealing with somebody that's an alcoholic or a drug addict or a prostitute because these are like big sinful things that we think of. And they're lost. And we bring the gospel to them right in the midst of their sin. Okay? It's like a woman caught in the very act of adultery. Alright? And we, we bring the gospel to them. This person's got... Uh, alcohol on their breath and on their clothes and in their hands maybe a bottle and they don't know Jesus and the Lord leads you to witness to them and they stop and the Lord arrests them and quickens them and they listen and they believe and they repent and they confess Christ as Lord and Savior at that very moment they might still reek of alcohol or cigarette smoke, you know what I'm saying, or whatever it is, that they've just been indulging in their sin. But now they're born again. At that moment, they are sanctified in Christ. They might still struggle with alcohol for the next six months, off and on, knowing it's wrong now, knowing it's a sin. They might struggle with it. They might not. They might be totally delivered of it that second. God can do that. He's going to be the deliverer either way. But my point is, that that very moment of salvation in Christ, they're sanctified. They have a positional standing in the Lord that cannot be improved upon later as they get this sin out of their life and the Lord begins to sanctify them through their life. Their position in Christ is one of being sanctified in the Lord. It's a result of true salvation, not a phony conversion, not just joining the church, not joining a youth group, not going on a, a school Christian retreat, but getting born again. This would be a result of that. It's genuine uh, work of the Lord in the life of that new believer and for the life 
of, of that believer in Christ, okay? We believe in His work on the cross. We believe in Christ and no other. We know that we're sinners. We turn from our sin. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we're born again, okay? And it, it's, it's actually, uh, like I said, a result of true salvation. We wouldn't be saved if we didn't have this right standing in the Lord. And we wouldn't have this right standing in the Lord if we weren't saved. It's part of salvation. Almost by the very uh, definition of what takes place is that God places us in His Son, Jesus. His Son already has a right standing, okay? As being the eternal Son of God. Being holy. Being just. The spotless Lamb of God. And then when we're born again, that alcoholic or whoever, you or me or whoever, we're born again. We're placed in Christ. The Holy Spirit that's, places us into Christ. He seals us. And we're in Christ. So there's my standing. There's my position. I'm not single anymore. I'm married. I'm married to the Lord. Okay? I was lost. Now I'm found. There's not an in-between state. I was outside of the family of God. I was in my own sin. And now I'm born again. And I'm robed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. So salvation, just in salvation, with no uh, striving after holiness, no striving to work out my salvation, no prayer life, no study of the Word to study to show myself approved, no service to the Lord, just in salvation, the Lord has, has put me in that right standing in His Son Jesus. Alright? And so the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. In Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Who did it? The Lord did it. It's a miracle. It's a result of the new birth. You might feel anything but holy, and I might feel anything but holy at any particular time as a Christian, as a believer. But I'm just talking about what the Bible says is our position, our standing. We're married to Him. He calls us His sons and daughters. He says Christ is our brother. He's made us join heirs with His Son, Jesus Christ. We were outside the covenants and promises of God. We were enemies with God. And now we've been reconciled to God through the blood of His Son, Jesus. This is so great salvation. This is just plain, basic salvation. What has the Lord done for me? He calls me sanctified. And He calls me... Uh, Holy in, in that sense, in my standing. It has everything to do with what the Lord has done in us and nothing to do with my own personal performance other than believing in Jesus, repenting and confessing Him, which is necessary for salvation. Nothing beyond that. Um, we know the passage, but I want you to turn and read it with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> Perfect example. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let's pick up in verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He says they're not going to heaven. Be not deceived, neither for and he lists some, some. This is not an all-inclusive list, but a partial list of unrighteousness. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, period. They're not going there. It doesn't say if you ever committed one of these sins, you weren't going there. It's saying somebody that is that, because that's their position. They are still that. All right, an extortioner, I'm an adulterer, I'm a fornicator. I'm a covetous man. That's what I am apart from Christ. It's not just something I did. We were sinners. Not just that we sinned occasionally or even often. We were sinners by our nature, right? But now He's made us different. Let's listen to this. And here's the key, verse 11. Um, and such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified. There's that word. You're justified, how? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You've now been washed in the blood of Jesus. Now, you're now sanctified as, as the Lord sees us and has made us sanctified in Christ Jesus by the Son of God, by the Spirit of God, by the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
it has, again, everything to do with what Almighty God has worked in us at salvation and nothing to do with what we've done to, to even uh, seek after God or pursue after God other than turning to Him for salvation, for mercy, genuine saving faith that we turn our lives to the Lord. And the Bible says, by His own will, He begat He us. It's a work of the Lord. It's solely by His grace, solely by His will, solely by His power. We confess and we say, yes, I believe. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. I turn my life over to You. And so do it. I'm turning from my sin. I'm turning to the living God. Take it. Take the whole thing. He takes it. He sanctifies us. We're in Christ Jesus and He deals with us in that way. I'm very thankful for that. Okay? Uh, yeah, I'll, again, I'll say it. Although our, uh, we might not be holy at that moment in the sense of our behavior, or our standing in Christ is that of being holy. We're going to read some more Scriptures in Romans chapter 3. Romans 3, 27 and 28. So where's boasting? If, if I have this standing in the Lord as being sanctified and holy, Paul says, where's boasting then? It's excluded. <laughs> by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the works, by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And we could also say without our own works. Okay, it's a remarkable miracle or work that the Lord has done in the life of everyone that comes to Him by faith at the very moment of salvation. Okay? Uh, practical sanctification, which we're going to get into next week, has, is an ongoing or pro progressive thing. Y'all understand that? It's ongoing. We're, today we ought to be more like Jesus than we were this, year, this time a year ago. And we might not see it because it's gradual changes. That's a progressive sanctification where we're becoming more like Jesus. And a year from now, we should be more like Jesus than we are sitting here today. All of us. We ought to be provoking one another to love and good works. And iron sharpening iron. And one man sharpening another in Christ. But our positional standing in the Lord is steady. It's established upon Christ. That sanctification as being in Christ Jesus. And so it's a work of the Lord that He's done. The Bible says salvation is of the Lord. There's a right a righteousness that a believer receives from God. A righteousness that a believer receives from God at the moment of salvation. It's Christ's own righteousness. I'll just read this. If you're taking notes, it's from Philippians chapter 3. Apostle Paul says, I want to be found in Him. There again, it's in Christ, right? Not having my own righteousness. That would be my own righteousness, the own goodness, which is as filthy rags, right? Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by faith. Why is it of God? Because it's God's righteousness. It comes from Him. It's His righteousness. And if we're found in Christ by the result of being born again by faith, then, then it is Christ's righteousness that we now possess because He gave it to us. He robed us in that righteousness. It's the believer's possession now at salvation. And the Lord does this in the life of every born again man and woman. Not specific ones, not special ones, but everyone. I'll just read this. Paul was making this case in Romans chapter 4, and he says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes imputeth righteousness without works. God imputes righteousness. That means He imparts it to us. He gives it to us and makes it ours at salvation. The moment you're saved, you say, well, I haven't prayed yet. I've still got secular music going in my car. I've still got worldly friends. I've still got this going on and that going on. 
But the Lord at salvation, when He sees that it's genuine faith, saving faith, His response is, I will. Whoever comes to Me, I'm going to save them. And I'm going to sanctify them. And we're sanctified in Christ. Our standing in Christ is that of being sanctified. And y'all, the believer never, this positional standing in the, in the Lord, will never add to this righteousness at all. Will not add to that. Does that mean we can't live a righteous life? No, it's not what we're saying. You can. Does that mean you can't be more godly than you are today? Yes, I can be a lot more godly than I am today. But my standing as being justified and righteous in God's sight is established by my faith in the Lord. We just read it. I read it from Romans. But to him who works not, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted unto him for righteousness. The Lord counts my faith in his son, the righteous lamb of God. He counts my faith in Jesus as being righteous. And he imputes and imparts the righteousness of Jesus, who I'm believing in, which true holiness and righteous God is holy, imputes that righteousness to me as a result of my faith in him, not as a result of my works other than believing in him by faith. <clears throat> it's, I know we're, we're talking about just teachings. Again, I pray it's not uh, boring to you or dry. Righteousness here means to be just, to be holy, to be right, to be equitable. All right? And the believer will never add to that righteousness. If you were a martyr for the Lord and you gave every dime you had as a believer for the cause of Christ and every ounce of your strength and every drop of your blood for the cause of Christ in this life, there would be plenty of rewards coming to you. There might be a martyr's crown, a crown of life, and a soul winner's crown, and lots of rewards and lots of blessings. And well done, that good and faithful servant. And I want to hear that, okay? But that person who would live such a way as I described is not going to add to their righteousness, the righteousness of Christ that's been imparted or imputed to us, not one ounce. That's an established fact. It's a result of salvation. It's, it's because the Lord is able to justify the ungodly. He's able to do that. He is able to do it. So we won't add to that righteousness at all because it's already the perfect righteousness of Jesus, the Lamb of God, God's only begotten Son. How could I improve upon that? How could I add to it and say, yeah, Lord, you had your righteousness, but I came along and made it a little bit better because of the way I served you. Oh, good, good that we serve God. We need to serve God. We're called to serve God. And there are rewards coming for believers. There are rewards, eternal rewards. The judgment seat of Christ will receive them. But that's not, that's not adding to Christ's righteousness. That is our righteousness now as a result of faith. If you're still in Romans 3, look back at, at verse 24. We'll, we'll read 24 through 26. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely. How? By His grace. Through what? Through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Just through salvation. Plain old salvation. It's an awesome thing. It's really nothing plain about it. We are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God set forth to be a propitiation. That means an atoning victim. That's what propitiation means. Through faith in His blood. It's all about faith. To declare His righteousness for the forgiveness of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be what? Just and the justifier of him which believe in Jesus. The Lord is both. He's both just, that means holy, righteous. He is both just, and he alone is the justifier of men. He only, he only he can do it. And it's through those that put their faith. He is just and the justifier of them that believe in Jesus. Faith. Righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith. This has to do with our standing in the Lord our holiness in the Lord. Now, I want to say this because it's important. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, past tense for believers, we have now currently have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have this peace with the Lord because he has justified us. Now, justification is a legal term. It's real, but it's a legal term. When you study it, Paul knew the law, the Roman, you know, the, the Mosaic law. He was a Jewish lawyer, and he is explaining it here. Justification is a legal term that means to render just or innocent. It means to regard as innocent or to be right. Now you think about that for just a minute, and, and we need to let that sink in. You can think right now of sins in your life that you've committed. You can think of, even if you were saved young in life, you can think of sins you committed before you were saved. And the Lord might have saved you young and spared you from a whole life of sin, praise God. But we know that we're guilty in the sense that I've done this, this, and this. All right? And we look back, just like those in Corinthians, such were some of you. But the Lord has rendered us just and innocent. So it's a legal term. I, I, I'm at the, the, the bar where the judge sits with his gavel and he's the judge and I'm the helpless sinner standing before him and I'm guilty of, as charged. I'm guilty on every count that God says I'm guilty of. I'm a sinner by my nature. I'm a sinner in my actions and my words and thoughts and deeds and attitudes. I'm a sinner and the wages of sin is death. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'm guilty of all as charged. But my judge has also said, if you, when, you, when I put my faith in Jesus, he renders me and slams the gavel down and says, innocent. Amen. He says, righteous. Thank you, Jesus. He has rendered me innocent and rendered me just and regarded me as being innocent and just. So the Lord not only pardons our sin, He does absolutely pardon our sin, but He renders me as being innocent or just. And there's, there's a difference. Both are part of what the Lord does at salvation for the sinner. He pardons my sin. He forgives my sin. He cleanses my sin. He breaks the power of sin from my life where I'm not a slave to it any longer. Right? We don't have to sin here this morning. We can walk with the Lord, praise God, because He's broken the power of sin upon our lives. If we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But my judge, who's also my Savior, didn't just pardon my sin, although He did, He did more than that. He renders me as being just or innocent. And you might have heard this phrase before, justified being described as just as if I never sinned. But you know you can sit and list. We don't want to do it. We can start listing our sins in our life. Even since we've been saved, we can start listing our sins. Guilty, guilty. I did this. There's no doubt about it. But God, in Christ, because I'm in Christ Jesus, and I put my faith in Him, and He bought me with His blood, washed me in His blood, robed me in the righteousness of Christ, He has regarded me not only made me just and innocent, but he deals with me in that way. You ever think about, uh, you know, our presidents at the end of their term, when they're going out of office, they pardon a bunch of people. You know, some are just horrible people that they pardon. Governors can do the same thing. Let's just say somebody's uh, accused of multiple murders and, and crimes and all kinds of horrible things in his life. The governor does have the, part, the power to pardon people. Let's say it was a state crime and our governor pardoned some well-known convicted criminal who's up in Angola, going to spend his life there or be executed there. And the governor, though all the facts of the case are there and he's guilty and a jury found him guilty and the criminal knows he was guilty, the governor knows he was guilty, everybody knows they're guilty, but for some reason he pardons him, let's just say. He can pardon him and the criminal walks free. Legally, you can't Try him again for that. The governor has pardoned him. So legally, he's free as a bird. But he's guilty of sin in his heart, okay? And in his life. And the difference between just pardoning and justifying somebody, the governor cannot justify anybody. He can pardon their, them, their sentence, pardon their crime. We're going to say stamp pardon on top of your guilty verdict here, and you're free to go. But I can tell you one thing, that governor would not let that criminal sleep in his house with his wife and children. You understand what I'm saying? 
he wouldn't leave his kid, let him babysit his kids and go off somewhere. The governor knows he's guilty of something horrible. He pardons him, but he don't want to be around him. All right? Legally, he's free, but the man's guilty. Jesus doesn't just legally set us free. He deals with us now as though we're innocent. And that is a very, very kind thing of the Lord, a very gracious thing of the Lord to not only pardon our sin, but to look at us and say, I want you to be my sons and daughters. I've made you my sons and daughters. I want you to be my family. I call you my friends. Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore, but friends, because I'm telling you everything I'm going to do. You see a difference? He pardons us, which He does, but He also justifies the ungodly. We know good and well we're ungodly without the Lord. But He renders us as being just. This has to do with our positional standing in the Lord. It happens that salvation is not a result of how well after that I walk with the Lord at any given day or week or year season of my life. If you had some bad seasons in your life, I pray you haven't, but in your Christian walk, since you've been saved, have you had times where you didn't live very godly? I have. Okay? I don't want to repeat it. I don't have to repeat it. I don't have to, I don't have to say, oh, it's just part of it. We all do. We don't have to do that. I'm just saying simply I have done that. I don't want to do it. And if again, if you looked at me at any particular moment, you would, you would think that guy's not a Christian at all. But if I'm truly born again, then I'm saved, I'm sanctified in Christ Jesus, and He deals with me as His child and a friend. And whom He loves, He chases. We've talked about that on Wednesday nights. But the, the Bible says, for He that sanctifieth, that's the Lord, and they who are sanctified, that's the believer, are all one, of one. For which cause He's not ashamed to call them brethren. Not based on our behavior. We might do things in our behavior that, that do bring shame to the Lord. But just in the sanctification process of being born again, He's not ashamed to be called our Lord and Savior and Father and brother and friend. Because He that sanctifies and them that are sanctified are one. There's a story of a... Uh, I was reading this, this true story. There was a man named William Callahan. He had been a notorious criminal, okay, and spent, uh, had a horrible, horrible life of crime. He was in Joliet uh, State Prison, which is in Chicago or in, in Illinois, and he, he finally got out of prison. He served his time many, many years in prison. He went to a revival meeting. He got saved, and yet he, he wanted to, to try to get that old life because he was really saved. I want to get that old life and lifestyle like so gone, like a, separate from it completely. And he had a hard time doing it. It kind of hounded him everywhere he went. Wherever he went, whatever neighborhood he would move to, the police kept an eye on him and watched him uh, just because he had been such a notorious criminal. He hired a, a Christian lawyer to try to get all his police photos from the police station and things like that. He wanted to just wipe the record clean. And... Uh, he wanted to get his records and his, his uh, photos from the Illinois State Prison. And they said, you can never do that. You know, you're, you'll never, you can't uh, get those records. We're never going to give you those. He hired a Christian lawyer to try to help him get these things. One day he was uh, actually sharing his testimony at some big event. And there were three governors from three different states, including Illinois. And when he shared his testimony about how Christ had saved him and totally transformed his life, um, the governor of Illinois came up to him afterwards uh, just wiping tears out of his eyes and saying, I'm going to see if I can help you get those records. And, and the governor did. He went, he got a letter soon afterwards. It said, my dear Mr. Callahan, it gives me pleasure to enclose your photograph from the penitentiary of Joliet to tell you that your records and measurements there have all been destroyed. There's no record except in your memory that you were ever there. You have the gratitude and best wishes of your friend, John P. Altgood, who was the, uh, at Geld, who was the governor of Illinois at the time. The, the reason I was thinking about that is because somebody might work so hard to try to erase 
things like that and try to, to make things right in their former life and in Christ. But the Lord has justified us freely by His grace. And it is wiped clean. It is wiped clean. And we don't have to beg Him and twist His arm. He sees us in Christ Jesus. He sees us that way. We need to see ourselves that way. It's not an arrogance. It's not a pride. It's simply understanding what the Lord has done for us in salvation. It's His work that He's done in the life of a believer. And it is so great salvation. That's how Hebrews described it. So great salvation. It is great. And it's a wonderful thing. And the Bible says that we have this standing of being holy, this positional sanctification in Christ. And the Bible says, for He hath made Him, that's Jesus, Father hath made His Son Jesus, for He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in Him. The Lord took His Son Jesus and made Him sin for us. He never committed a sin, didn't enter into Him, but He was made sin, that sin offering. And he bore the sins of the whole world upon his, Himself on the cross for us, that we may be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's a wonderful thing that the Lord has done for us, y'all. And I'm just going to be bringing this to a close for this morning, but y'all, just some of the, I wanted to point out just quickly some of the, so what's the big deal? What well, you said there could be serious errors like if, if you misunderstood the practical versus the positional holiness. And you might could add to my list, but in general I was thinking of this. If I don't understand the difference between my positional standing as being justified, sanctified, and righteous in Christ and that in, in say a lifestyle of living holy, which we're called to, then there are two, two things I can see, one of either two extremes being there. One would be that if I don't see that I'm sanctified in Christ, and I think it's based on my behavior of being holy, then I'm going to live in fear that, oh, I sinned today. I wonder if I fell out of God's righteousness. I wonder if I fell out of this position of being safe and secure in Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like I sinned and then I came back and I sinned and I came back and I sinned. And every time there's this fear that because I sinned or didn't live holy that I lost that right standing in the Lord. Which is not going to happen. Even the church of Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. We know all their sin. Notable sin. We'll talk about it some more next week. And yet their position in Christ was still that as being sanctified. Because they're in Christ. So God doesn't want us to live in fear, you know, that that every time we sin, we're going to uh, we somehow lost God's favor in the sense that we no longer have that standing. And what do I do now? And I'm not going to go to heaven one day and that kind of thing. God doesn't want us to live that way. Alright? I'll tell you what else he doesn't want. The other end of that spectrum would be that uh I'm, as, I'm sanctified in Christ. I'm as holy as I'll ever be. So what's the big deal? Why should I try to live godly? I see that. I've seen that. I think you've seen that. What's the big deal? What's this all this about? You, you won't hear preaching on, uh, on uh, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You won't hear preaching about uh, walking worthy of the calling wherewith you're called. Because, hey, why, what's the big deal? I'm already as sanctified as I'll ever be. I'm holy in Christ. He sees me as just and righteous. So I can. What's, why, why fight against sin in my own life? Why strive against temptation? Why strive to serve God or be holy to read the Bible? Or You understand what I'm saying? And that's a perversion. That is not biblical at all. And yet it comes a lot of times from misunderstanding, sanctification. No, I'm holy in Christ but I'm called to be holy. And that's a very real call on the life of every, every single believer. God takes it seriously. And so somebody says, well, I'm already sanctified. I sure don't want to help God, try to help God or make me holy. Or do I think, you know, I can make myself more holy than what the Lord's already done for me. And I don't want to be accused of trying to help God's grace out. But yet the Bible says, exercise yourself to godliness. Exercise. You do it. You work at it. Not in order to be sanctified in the sense of my standing in Christ, but certainly 
and my lifestyle and my Christ-likeness and my behavior. Both of those examples about being afraid I'm going to lose my salvation or my standing in the Lord with every sin I commit or thinking I don't have to strive at all to live for God because I'm already holy as I'll ever be. Uh, both of those are errors. And both of those are going to affect the lifestyle. And if you were counseling somebody, a new believer, don't you think it would affect how you counsel them if you didn't understand that properly? Or you taught a young, group of young people or taught a Sunday school class? Absolutely. Both are errors, y'all. And both have consequences. And, uh, and the Lord has called us. Okay, they, but Both are going to uh, rob us from... a our own joy and our own peace. Because you'll be disturbed either way. You'll be unsettled. Both are going to affect your testimony for the Lord because neither rightly represents our Savior and the great salvation and what He does in the life of a believer. That man, that prisoner that we read about from Illinois, you know, I appreciate one thing about it. He wanted to distance himself from that. You see what I'm saying? He said, I'm saved. He was thankful. And he went to great lengths to try to to show he was different than that. His life was different. The Lord had made him different. But we, we can rob our own joy, y'all, and our own peace sometimes uh, when we don't get that, that right understanding of practical versus positional holiness. Y'all, I'm just going to close with this, uh, with this Scripture. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, we'll close with this this morning. 1 Corinthians 1.30. Again, he's speaking to the church at Corinth with all of their carnality that was going on. They were saved. But of Him, of Jesus, of the Lord, are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's our standing. He has washed us. He has sanctified us. He's justified us. Christ is for us since we're born again. Wisdom, godly wisdom, righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, <laughs> sanctification and redemption. The Lord has is that to us. He is that for us. He has done that in us. He's doing that in us. That's our standing in the Lord. Amen? That's our position. It will not change if you have a lousy day today in Christ. I pray you don't. I pray you pursue after God and pursue after holiness. The, the practical holiness of, of the Lord, which we'll talk about more next week. But it's not going to change if you have a great day in Christ and feel as holy as you've ever been or have a bad day and you're asking 15 people to forgive you because you sinned today. That position doesn't change if you're in Christ. And the Lord wants us to know that, y'all. He wants us to rest in that. He wants us to thank Him for that. He wants us to lift our hands and worship Him and say, Lord, I know what a lousy, no good sinner I was and the things that I've done. I know it, Lord. And He certainly knows it. But Lord, what You've done for me in salvation, what You've imparted and imputed to my life simply by faith, because I put my faith in Jesus. And you even gave me the, the faith to help me to do that. And what you've done for me, Lord. I want to thank you for it. I don't want to waste it. Now I want to live a life that's befitting of that salvation. Amen. Y'all stand with me. We're just going to worship the Lord. You don't have to wait. The altars are open. Come and just begin to thank the Lord. Begin to praise God. And call upon Him even now. Thanking Him for that salvation. Thanking Him for what He's done for, for you. And what He's done for me. Just in salvation. God, I know that on my own I have...